grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, welcome, 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 welcome to the show tonight. I still got to get that pattern going, you know. Uh, it's great to see everybody. I hope you're all having a good day. I know I am. Again, air conditioners in the background. It's kind of hot today, but we're going to go down on the cooling trend, so hopefully I won't have to use this thing much longer. But anyway, good to see you guys. My name is Charlotte, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. And I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team at www.californiahaunts.org. And you can find this show at www.californiahauntsradio.com. And if you want to get back and look at our different archives, if you like what you hear tonight, then hit, hit up my website for this because there's some really good shows on there. Speaking of good shows, tonight we have Eric Wargo's on. And we're going to be talking about dreams and pre- precognition. Precognition is when you, when you have a dream and... Maybe it may not come it may not come true right away, but maybe a week, two weeks, maybe a month even down the line or even longer. Something happens that reminds you of that dream. So we're gonna talk about those tonight. So um without further ado, I'm gonna bring Eric on and he can introduce himself and tell us about himself and all that good stuff. Okay, here we go. Hello. Hi, Charlotte, how are you? Good, how are you, sir? Good. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I am a, uh, a science writer and uh, researcher. I've been researching um, ESP for the past 10 years or so. Uh, and I'm the author of two books on the subject. Time Loops is my first book. came out a couple years ago. And uh, it's, it's about precognition in general um, and how it may work and so on. And uh, after I published that, I started, I was bombarded by emails from people telling me their dreams. Uh, and I hadn't really gone deeply into dream uh, interpretation in the book. So I thought I realized that there was a, a need for a, a guide uh, to help people who have precognitive dreams. And I think basically we always all have precognitive dreams and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's, it's uh, something that people don't understand and it perplexes them when they do experience it. Um, and so I wrote uh, my most recent book, Precognitive Dream Work and the Long Self, which is about uh, precognitive dreaming, uh, how precognition works, how dreaming works and how people can I, learn to identify precognitive dreams and interpret them and uh, and basically start having precognitive dreams all the time. Um, I actually think we always have precognitive dreams. We just don't recognize it. So partly it's learning to recognize it. Wow. Um, so tell me a little bit about, I mean, uh, like, uh, like I, I know I've had them obviously, you know, mm-hmm. over the years. And it's been stuff that shocked me. Like, I, you know, um, to give the audience an example, I, when I was a kid, I used to have this reoccurring dream of a man who was walking around my house dressed in black with a hat on. And he, and then there were these real high windows in my dining room, which we, did, we, we didn't have. And I always in my dream would be hiding under the table in the dining room and I could see him walking by these windows. Um, I must have been probably in my late 20s, and I came home, and my father and mother had put windows in the dining room that were up high. So that kind of shook me, you know, but of course, there was never a man walking around the outside, but I mean, the windows were there, you know, Mm -hmm. so it brought brought all those dreams back to me. So how does that work? I mean, like you say, people don't realize they're having these dreams. Right. The number one... Okay, very only a minority of people really pay attention to their dreams, first of all. Mm-hmm. Number two, if they do pay attention to their dreams, they still don't write them down. Okay, that's that's first. I mean, occasionally we have those dreams, though. Like I just I remember, you know, something happens, so I remember that dream I had, you know, that it reminds me of that. But, but you know, for the most part, our dreams go, you know, we forget about them uh, generally. 
We only write down a very tiny fraction of them. And number three, most people aren't like paying attention to the pot, aren't even aware of the possibility that they may be dreaming about events in their future. Okay. I mean, we've uh, any dream interpretive tradition or, or method or whatever always looks to the past. It looks to our memories, you know, Freud, mm -hmm. you know, taught us that the unconscious is, you know, full of these unresolved conflicts from, you know, our past. Mm -hmm. uh, Carl Jung's, you know, uh, uh, it, method you know is similar in that respect it points to the past it doesn't you know it don't it doesn't ask us to to pay attention to what's coming down the pike in our life and uh so you know, for all these reasons people are very unlikely to expect precognitive dreaming so they're not going to be looking for it and so they're when an event comes to pass that they had dreamed about they're probably not going to remember that they dreamed about it and an important other reason is that dreams are usually symbolic uh, transformations of events. They're not literal, you know, you're not, you've, rarely do people have, you know, video quality, literal dreams about an event mm -hmm. that's going to happen in their future. Now, it does happen. Th mm -hmm. There are examples of that. But by and large, dreams have a, an element of distortion, symbolism. Uh, in your case, you know, there was the, the windows. You saw mm -hmm. the windows. Exactly right. There wasn't, you know, you know, at least not so far in your life. Have you seen mm -hmm. a, a, a black dressed well, we man walk past those house, windows? Yeah. But and that is a symbolic element, probably. And uh, it may have to do with your feelings uh, about noticing those windows that may have mm -hmm. been there, there's kind of a, a symbolic element wrapped into these cognitive dreams. And in fact, one of the interesting one of the things I talk about in the book uh, and that, that precognitive dream workers can start to look for in their dreams mm -hmm. is that when, when you do uh, have an experience that you, re you know that you've dreamed about, mm -hmm. uh, very often that dream will contain a kind of symbolic representation of your shock and your surprise at that fact. Uh, it's, it's, it's a fascinating, you know, it's fat. one of the, one of the many, uh, sort of things that I ask, you know, I, I alert people to in the book that they should be on the lookout for, right? They're called time gimmicks. Um, but, uh, yeah. So like, there's all kinds of reasons people aren't going to notice this. Um, and when they do notice it, they're not going to report it. So, you know, there's an, there's another factor there is that, uh, you know, people have these experiences, you know, our culture teaches us that it's impossible. Um, and so we're all, people are cautious to, to, uh, to tell other people when they've had a dream like this. Um, and, you know, so, so, so that perpetuates kind of this ignorance around the topic because we don't ha hear a lot of examples of it. You may, you know, read an ESP book and there are some, you know, precognitive dreams of the rich and famous, you know, examples mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, you know, there are the famous dreams of, you know, like Abraham Lincoln supposedly dreamed about his death beforehand, which actually turns out to be a, a falsehood. It turns out to be fake. That's not true, unfortunately, but it's <laughs> perpetuated in the books. But lot there, you know, it's the those those singular standout examples um, that you'll read in ASP books. But, you know, no one reads the encounters this idea that we may be constantly having precognitive dreams. Um, and all we have to do is, is pay attention. And, yeah. You know. Go ahead. Why, why do people dream anyway? Okay. Well, that's a great question. And that's something that, that people have asked, you know, for centuries and the scientific, the neuroscientific consensus now is sort of converging on this general idea that dreams have to do with making memories, okay? Dreaming is, is a process of making new memories uh, in the brain at night. Um, and, uh, and it makes a lot of, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the, not only that the hippocampus is highly active when we're, we're, we're asleep, and during REM sleep, and that's when we're, you know, the hippocampus is like sort of a, our brain's archivist, and it's, you know, making making new long-term memories 
out of our short-term memories that we're sort of mm-hmm. holding in a buffer during the day. But um, so that's the kind of, you know, the mainstream consensus. Now, I think that that's right. But uh, precognition is an aspect of memory, okay? We are making memories of our future, okay? Not just of of our past. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening, I think, when we're sleeping, and this is, this is a guess, but it's sort of an informed mm-hmm. guess, is that our, our synapses are rewiring, okay, at night, especially. It's happening all, all the time, but especially mm-hmm. at night when we're asleep, you know, we're not, we don't have a lot of other things to take care of, you know, so our brain can really, really sort of do a lot of active uh, rewiring, reshuffling, uh, and and creating new connections, new synaptic connections, or strengthening existing synaptic connections by firing them, and it's those firings, those those firings of synaptic connections to reinforce and strengthen those connections that we're experiencing as a dream. Okay. Okay. And uh, this makes a lot of sense in terms of how dreams relate to reality. They're associative. You know, you do, again, it goes back to that idea that we don't dream literally about things generally. We dream about associations. And this is something Freud detected, you know, over a century ago that, you know, if you want to understand a dream, you need to free associate on it. Uh, and that is to say, just what's the first thing this reminds me of? There's like a, it's, it, the dream is one step. Each element of the dream is kind of one step removed from something in your life, something, you know, uh, an important person or situation or something going on. Okay. Preoccupation, wish desire, whatever, mm-hmm. fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and free associating very quickly arrives at all that material. Now, where Freud didn't go far enough or was sort of wrong is he assumed that that free associating, you know, gave you the story of the dream and that this dream, again, is the this disguised representation of a repressed wish, okay? And again, it comes, it, these are thoughts from our past, basically, that are expressing themselves through those associations. What I think is really happening is that those those associations are helping us express a thought that's coming down the pike from our future, okay? Mm-hmm. We can't express that future idea because it, it, it's not the future yet. We, don't, we wouldn't understand it, but it, we, it, we can kind of, uh, the brain can kind of take elements in our life and mm-hmm. assemble them into a kind of uh, diorama, you know, using bits and pieces of your life as it exists right now to express something that's going to happen in the future, some future experience. One of the one of the important things to remember about uh, precognitive dreaming and precognition in general is that it's not about events in the future. It's not about objective things happening in the future. It's about your own future experiences, your own future learning experiences. Mm -hmm. So for instance, a lot of people had dreams about 9-11. Right. I had a dream about 9-11. But we were not dreaming about the event, you know, the planes crashing into the towers or whatever. We were dreaming about the CNN coverage and our feelings about the CNN coverage. You know, Mm -hmm. we were dreaming about our own engagement with the information. Um, uh, and this can be sort of proven when you study, you actually study dreams and how they relate to events, because, uh, you know, oftentimes things we read in the news or learn in the news aren't exactly correct. I mean, there may be, they may Mm -hmm. have errors and so forth. Well, our dreams always contain those errors. They don't, they don't, you know, they don't match objective reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you can sort of prove this nature of dreaming, that it's about your own future thoughts, your own future experiences. Um, and they're being represented uh, using the kind of flotsam and jetsam of your, of your current daily life. Uh, and, that's, and that's essentially what a dream is. And that's, uh, that explains the symbolism. Of dreams that it's not disguising some hidden repressed wish like you know you want to sleep with your mother that that sort of you know reductive freudian view i mean freud was right about how dreams contain and express information he was wrong about 
his presumption of what dreams were trying to hide. The dreams are not trying to hide anything. They're actually trying, you know, they're doing their best job of expressing something using the tools at hand. Uh, and it's always going to be imperfect. And uh, more often than not, we're not even going to notice it. And that's, we're not even supposed to. That's not the purpose of dreams to be remembered, generally speaking. It's simply that's our brain rewiring and, and, and transforming in the night and uh, preparing us, you know, uh, for, for things to come and integrating those things to come with our life, you know, in the past and sort of creating a, um, I don't know, some sort of um, formation that, that kind of reflects both. How long does it take for the body to get into that REM, you know, the, 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 that dream format? A couple hours, a couple hours. The, the initial stages of sleep uh, are very deep st stages of sleep. And we actually do dream during those stages too, but they're not, mm -hmm. they're vague, indistinct dreams. I mean, most dreamers are not, would have a hard time telling you what they were dreaming about during those deep uh, sleep phases. Uh, but then after a couple hours, we start oscillating, uh, going into shallow to deep, shallow to deep. And those shallow... Uh, sleep phases and they're I forget they're spaced apart by uh, uh, I don't know, every hour or something like that um, and and we spend I think uh, on the whole between two and three hours a night in that shallow sleep state the REM state and that's that's when the the brain is producing those really the vivid dreams when you think about mm -hmm. having a dream and and another another key thing is that that you know when you wake up in the morning and and if you're a, a good sleeper and a good dreamer and you know you may have a, you know, a nice vivid dream that you can write down or a couple of them you know there have been phases in my life when i would sometimes wake up with you know, with like three dreams and i would write them all down in detail and I, mm -hmm. even then that's just a small fraction of the dreams you're having over the course of the night uh most of them are totally lost <laughs> to memory so you know you're never going to get all your dreams but uh but writing as many dreams down as you can as you can remember when you wake up and in as much detail as you can as you can get even if the dreams seem stupid or silly or whatever those are just as likely to be precognitive as others and like i said i think all dreams are precognitive um it would be hard to prove that but Right. But I, I think that's it makes most sense that, that you know, that's a ba it's basic to dreaming. If it happens ever, it must be happening always. I mean, why would it only happen, you know, every now and then? Um, now, I've, I've had dreams where I'll wake up and then go back to sleep and the dream continues. Yeah, some people do that. And I've done that a few times. It's not it's not it's not common. But, yes, yeah, some people can do that. Mm -hmm. Reenter that same dream environment. Sure. I have a question in the chat room. What would happen if we didn't dream? Well, we would very quickly uh, not have any memory. <laughs> we would we would not learn anything, um, and uh, and we would we would we would go <laughs> pretty quickly insane. I mean, I've heard that that was like a you know that's a torture. That's a, a classic torture is depriving mm -hmm. people of that that uh, REM sleep, mm -hmm. um, and you know it breaks people within you know a couple of days. I mean, it's just it's really it's torture not to be able to to sleep. And, and can, dream. Yeah. Can we control what we dream about? Yeah, we can. Uh, lucid, that's what lucid dreaming is, is, uh -huh. uh, is where you sort of wake up in the dream. Uh, you're aware, that is to say, you're aware of the fact that you're dreaming, but you're still in the dream environment. And you can uh, control it to a degree. I mean, some some master lucid dreamers can control the whole, you know, dream environment and transform people and into whatever they want and uh, do whatever they want. Um, most people who lucid dream sometimes, like myself, are able to control certain aspects of it. And the more we try to control things, the more we kind of just tend to wake up. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, there's a, a spectrum of, of the extent to which you can control your dreams. Yeah, I, I'm personally not as interested in in controlling my dreams. Right. I, I'm not really that interested in, in lucid dreaming, frankly, except the fact that lucid dreams seem like, uh, in my experience, like I sometimes call them the big guns of dream precognition because some of the most like really striking 
precognitive dream examples uh, I've had have been in lucid dreams, but they're not dreams where I'm controlling the environment so much as I'm just, I'm aware that I'm dreaming and this, wow, this is really cool. It's like, a, you know, an amazing uh, experience, but, uh, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in what I can right. do in the dream environment. I want to see what's happening and like, I want to write it down afterwards because uh, it's going to turn out to be precognitive either of something, you know, happening that day uh, often, or I, I had, I've had a couple that, that, that strikingly came true, you know, exactly a year later. Mm -hmm. uh, this is, uh, this is another thing that I talk about in the book and it hasn't really been talked about before in books about, about, precognition or precognitive dreaming is what I call calendrical resonance. And it's a very, very common in people who, who start to pay attention to their dreams and, and dream precognition that while by and large, most precognitive, precognitive dreams are about event experiences within the next few days. Uh -huh. There's also this, this, you know, when you've a, a very salient, emotionally salient experience, you may dream about exactly a year beforehand or exactly multiple years. And that you can even be day, decades, but, but on the same date, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's incredibly striking when you have, you know, one of the, you know, when you discover because you've been keeping a dream journal for years yeah. that, Oh my God, I mean, I, you know, this, this big event in my life, I dreamed about it, you know, I, you know, I've had examples where I dreamed about something 18 years beforehand um, um, um you know uh, within a day of the exact date you know the, the the date may be you know off by one or two days but it's almost almost exact if not exact uh and i've and i i have other people who, who correspond with me who send me examples of the same thing in their dream journals it's just it's incredibly striking uh, to have this experience but it's it's common it's very common Another question in the chat room is, what's the difference between precognition when awake and when sleeping? Okay, well, yeah, I think that precognition is something that's operating all the time, and people uh, can access it in all kinds of ways. Uh, in art is one of the big ones. Um, I'm, that's the, my, the current focus of my research is, is on creativity, and, and uh, writers get into a kind of a trance state, and and voila, they wind up writing about some event that's going to happen, <laughs> you know, in their life very shortly. It's a, it's an incredibly common occurrence. Um, and uh, meditation is another uh -huh. one. Um, active imagination, uh, the Jungian sort of technique uh, is, you know, it's kind of dreaming while awake. And it's sort of like lucid dreaming in that sense that, you know, you're sort of controlling this narrative. But... Uh, for people who know how to, who are able to do this, it's not mm -hmm. easy, and I've never really been able to do it. But but for people who do do it, it boom, it's it's you're entering this precognitive world, and these experiences, you know, that match things that happen in their lives afterwards. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of other ways of of accessing precognition while awake. Uh, dreams are just the easiest. I mean, we all dream. Right. You know, you don't have to have any special skills as a meditator or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so, what comes to mind when you talk about precognition when awake is somebody like Gene Roddenberry. You well, know, science the stuff that he came yeah. up with. You know what I mean? Because yeah, that's well, pretty wild. Yeah, well, science fiction writers are are, are always doing that. Yeah, yeah. and some of the yeah some science fiction writers like Philip K. Dick. There's a you know I have a whole section in my first book on Philip K. Dick's I mean precognition I mean it was it was stunning not just not just the famous there are famous examples you know from right. his writings that that would then come true in his life but uh, his dream journals fortunately we have uh, he wrote lots of letters and he wrote his dreams in in letters to his pen pal you know and right. and so we have these and we can like track his dreams in relationship to his experiences and it's just it's just mind blowing I mean he's it's a really great He's a great data set for people who want to study this. Or going back with the art thing, Da Vinci, with some of the stuff he dreamed, you know, he, he came up with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think invention, too, is, uh, yeah. you know, inventors, I think, they're, you know, I think writers are, are actually channeling their future. I think sure. inventors are channeling, you know, their future. Yeah. So um, we, we talked earlier about being able to essentially 
control these dreams? How would you do that? I mean, okay, you know. <laughs> like in a lucid dream, you mean? Yeah, or? like in a lucid dream. How, how would you control everything in a lucid dream? I mean, I know, like, when I was younger, because I always had nightmares as a kid. Oh, no. So I would try to read a book before I went to bed to try and calm my, calm my brain down enough to sleep so I wouldn't have the nightmares. Yeah, well, there there are two questions in what you're saying. There's either okay. the question of how to how to enter a lucid dream, and there are methods for that which you can find. I mean, you can go online actually and find mm -hmm. uh, find them. There's some good books, um, good books on this. Uh, there's a new one, and I'm I'm blanking on the name of it right now. <laughs> but uh, um, there there are really good guides to how to do this. If you if you meditate, if you're a meditator, meditating on the edge of sleep in bed, mm -hmm. meditating in bed is you know is the is the easiest way to do it because you can very often and there are supplement actually <clears throat> there are supplements you can take to help you uh um do this as well but then as far as when you're in the dream how do you control it that's uh you know it's just waking up to the fact that oh hey i am awake uh i this you know this monster it's can't hurt me this is just right. a dream i can turn this monster into a into whatever I want to, and sort of willing, uh, willing a change in the in the dream environment. I think is how people generally do that. Um. Oh, I just lost my question. It was right there too. Um. Oh yeah. What What are some uh, examples? I know you've obviously interviewed people for this book, you know, and and, and that kind of thing. What were some of the ones uh, that stood out to you? You know, the dreams that people had. Yeah, there's I, it, there's so many you know great ones, and I, I'm getting I ever since the book has come out, and since I was on coast to coast a few weeks ago, and like I just I'm bombarded by people telling me awesome, really really amazing dream experiences. Probably the most amazing, um, and there's there's a whole chapter in the book on this. Uh, is a uh, a former housemate of mine <clears throat> at the University of Colorado back in late 1980s um i had totally lost touch with her after college and uh she reached out to me after my first book was published mm -hmm. right short very shortly after it was published and said um we need to talk <laughs> there's this is this your book is part of a, a time loop that that spans three decades essentially <laughs> of my life and uh what she told me was an amazing story that well you know we uh, me and my girlfriend and and this other friend of, of mine name is Toby and uh, like five other of my friends we were all renting this cheap basement in, in uh, near the campus of the University of Colorado in Boulder uh, and you know living in this sort of <laughs> dismal basement like you know, like college kids will do and uh, during that year and I didn't I, I knew that she like went into a depression and had to withdraw from school, so like that. But I didn't know anything more any more of the details about it. Well, it turns out that that part of this depression that she went into was because of these dreams that she'd been having uh, about this. In each of these dreams, it was a recurring dream where she was trying to trying to fend off and kill this boy from second grade that she hadn't seen or you know she back on the east coast and you know didn't have anything any connection to this boy, uh hadn't hadn't had for you know a decade or whatever by that point um uh but she kept having this dream about this boy and it was it was part of this depression whether it caused the depression or not it's unclear but anyway so fast forward 30 years when my book came out, she had another dream. She didn't know about my book or anything. She didn't know anything about me or what I was up to or anything like that. She has another dream about this boy. And she Googles him and discovers that he was killed, murdered, in oh. exactly the way she had dreamed of, of killing him in her college dreams. And it, like this was like stunning to her. And she... Did a bunch of good. I mean, she was googling to make sure it was him and getting details about the, the, the police report and all that stuff. But then she all it also occurred to her to Google the names of her housemates that year. Okay, and so she Googled me and discovered I'd just like a week earlier published a book on 
precognition and you know the talks about precognitive dreams and time loops what i call about time loops mm -hmm. uh and she realized oh my god i'm a precog you know and she realized she'd been keeping a dream journal for many many years and actually is adept at active imagination the union technique uh and she always noticed these you know synchronicities around her dreams but she never realized or or, or that it was precognition that she was doing and this like it was transformative for her to like suddenly realize that she was precognizing things through her, her whole life um and uh so that was, you know, that, that was kind of mind-blowing. And then it, it turned out that it was mind-blowing for her, but it was mind-blowing for me, too, because this mm -hmm. was like, whoa. I mean, this person that I knew back in college is like the, the best ever example of what I was writing about, my first book about. And, um, and so we, uh, you know, started corresponding by email a lot. And our email correspondence turned into this sort of ongoing paranormal experience because she was precognizing things that I was about to say in an email and vice versa. Oh. And then I discovered by complete by accident, you know, it never occurred to me that I might have been having similar dreams related to our reconnection. But it turned out that I, I had dreamed about, about her as a sibyl, which is a, a prophet. Okay, um, uh, and it was exactly like I think eighteen or nineteen years or seventeen years something like that before, and, and there was other details in the dream, and I and these other details matched uh, something that occurred, a book that she had sent me in the mail, and it was just like, mm -hmm. you know, holy cow, and it was on exactly that date, seventeen years earlier, that I dreamed about her as a sibyl, like bizarre like randomly dream about this hot old housemate that i haven't you know seen or, or talked to in, in years but i dream about that she's essentially a precog you know and like so really you know amazing amazing experience but but honestly when you start going down this path of precognitive dream work that's what happens it's 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 quite remarkable it's kind of like the more you do it or the more you practice it, the better you get at it. Yeah. Or if you have a connection with somebody, like like there's a lot of stories of, of mothers sleeping at night and they wake up, you know, startled because they have a dream about their their son or yeah. daughter. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I think that I th I think it's going on all the time, and it, that it explains those kinds of, you know, uh, the intuition. You know, intuition is just precognition by another name. And mm -hmm. you know, yeah, when a mother has like just a bad feeling about something, you know, and goes and gets their kid, uh, you know, and brings the kid into bed or whatever. And then the, and the chandelier falls in the other room. Right. Like, you know, that, it, that's, you know, that's what's, that's what's operating. Yeah. Now can people practice this? Yeah. Well, dream, dream work is a kind of practice. I mean, you, you get better and better at noticing uh, how your brain works, how your symbolic brain works, because like I said, precognition you know, we we don't see things directly and literally, and there are very interesting reasons I think why, and that's a big topic in the book. But uh, so you know, getting to know how your brain symbolizes things is is one of the big ways of, of enhancing this skill. Yeah, definitely. Is that the case of uh, because I know there's people that have books out that will like like you say look at the meanings of your dreams i mean you need stuff like that to do that or or can you work that out on your own you gotta work it out on your own you have to work it out on your own because your your dreams use utilize symbolism that comes from your own life okay always always comes from your own life and i'm not a big believer in in sort of the archetypal you know psychology kind of take either uh mm -hmm. you know archetypes are, are going to appear in your dreams if you read a lot of carl jung and they read a lot of Jungian stuff or, sure. you know, world mythology, that sort of thing. Same way, if you are steeped in, like, Freudian psychoanalysis, you're going to have lots of dreams about, you know, phallic symbols and Oedipus <laughs> stuff. It's just, it's just whatever your world is full of and whatever sure. you're interested in, that's sure. the symbolism that's going to appear in your dreams. But it's all based on your own life experience. So there's no, you can, there's no dream dictionary that's going to tell you you know what okay. a symbol means you gotta learn from your own experience 
And like you say, it's a matter of, of, of waking up after you have your dream and, and, and jotting it all down too. Yeah, the I'll give you the, the, the three steps. Okay. You know, it's very, very simple. Okay. A, write down all your dreams. All of them in as much detail as you can. As soon as you wake up, you know, write everything down that you can remember. Um, number two, take a moment to free associate on, on those images and elements in your dream. You know, what just what's the first thing that comes to mind from this, you know? And if you can't think of anything, just leave it. But some, you know, for some elements in a dream, it'll remind you immediately of something that happened, mm -hmm. you know, the day before or or some, you know, some issue in your life or some it'll remind you of something and it'll mm -hmm. seem random often. But just write that down. Because it's often those free associations that are the recognizable link to the later experience. Okay. So that's the second step. The third step, the most important step is at the end of every day, you know, you can set aside your dreams during the day, forget about them. Don't mm -hmm. be thinking about your dreams, but at the end of every day, before you go to bed, open your dream journal and just look at the dream, your dreams from that morning and the previous couple days. Look at them. Just think about them. Think about what happened during the past couple of days, and if there's any, you know, any possible matches to mm -hmm. to the things in those dreams. Okay, because that's gonna that's what's the the gonna alert you that you've had a precognitive dream. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, and that's what people never do. You know, that's what you know. Lots of people record their dreams. No one thinks to go back to their dream records every night. You know, mm -hmm. And and you can't look at all of your dream records every night. You know, that would take too much time. But look at your dream records from the previous couple days, from that day and the previous couple days. And that's what's going to, and then you're, you're going to start having precognitive dream hits. You know, I guarantee you, you know, uh, mm -hmm. within, you know, within a week. You know, when people do this, you know, they often have, have luck on the first night. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, it is very, it is very cool. It's an, it's an incredible experience to, oh, to yeah, have I'll a, start doing that just out of curiosity to see, you know, what, what comes out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I was one of thinking about 911 because you mentioned you, you had had some dreams about 911 yeah. and I know a lot of people did. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, uh, you know, like the dream collective, if, if there's some kind of thing that could, you know, like, like with ghost hunting, they tell us, well, the best times to go out are, you know, after, after a rainstorm or during a rain, rainstorm or after a crowd's been around, you know, because the energy's up. I just wonder if somewhere along the line there was some kind of big energy buildup leading up to that because so many people had those dreams. No, you know, I think that, that it's just that that was a, a big event in the lives of all Americans in one way or another. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we all, it, it affected ever, it affected us hugely. And, uh, and for that reason, I, I, you know, I think every, I think, I think every American probably had dreams, you know, leading up to nine 11, they were about nine 11 that they just didn't remember a, mm -hmm. uh, or never made the connection or if they did, didn't tell anybody, you know, they weren't announcing it from the rooftops because most people live in fear of being called a kook. You know, mm -hmm. so, um, but, you know, it was just a big event, you know, big, it's big, uh, emotionally salient experiences. Now that emotionally salient can be, you know, yeah, a, a disaster unfolding before us on, t on TV, but it can also be mm -hmm. the sink backing up or it can be, you know, being in the middle of changing your baby and realizing you don't have a clean diaper and like, right. and you know, the, the baby is pooping on the bed, you know, it's like that kind of, that kind of upheaval, stresses you out, whatever yeah. stresses you out. And it doesn't need to be life or death stress. I mean, thankfully most of our lives are pretty dull, right? I mean, we're not, right. you know, we're not in the trenches, you know, we're not, you know, you know, the, 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 the emotionally salient events in our lives are, are, objectively pretty minor for the most part, thankfully, you know, but those things are what the, what dreams key in on. And it, there tends to be a way in which the events that or the experiences that dreams seem to key in on 
most often are things where there's kind of a double emotional valence to them, where there's like a little bit of reward, but also a kind of threat, disappointment, or, or gosh, you know, it, like something bad happens, but you kind of realize that it could have been worse. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing is like bait for the precognitive brain. And, uh, or, you know, I've, you know, I've had so many dreams about, you know, like a, an email that I send and I regret it or something like that, or I regret something I said to someone or, or, you know, that kind of thing. It's that kind of texture of, of, our, of our daily life. So what precognitive dream work kind of teaches is, is, and I think the really big benefit of it, it's not like a superpower. It's not, you're not going to probably get rich on the lottery or whatever doing this or, mm -hmm. or whatever, become a, a superhero, but it, te it, it teaches this, this incredible awareness of the mundane in your life, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the, the mundane texture of your life. Um, and, and how, you know, those, those little things, but, you know, in the moment they're important, you know, they reflux back in time and affect us, uh, you know, in our dream life. Um, so, um, it, it's very rewarding. I mean, it just, just to have a, just to realize you've had a precognitive dream about the sink backing up. And I have an example of that in my book, you know, it's just, it's mind blowing. And, uh, and then it, it forces you to think about, well, if this is real and the more you have these experiences, you know, your doubt gradually eats away at your doubt, um, then everything we've been led to believe about cause causality, about mm -hmm. uh, psychology, it's not true or it's not completely true. And, uh, and that in and of itself is, you know, uh, a, you know, it's, it can be either exciting or it can be threatening. And I think some people feel threatened by it, but a lot of people are excited by that. You know, it's like you realize, oh, wow, you know, throw out the psychology books, you know, like sooner or later, they're going to have to, <laughs> sooner or later, uh, science is going to have to acknowledge this. You know, I think, I, I think it's going to happen sooner or later. And when it does, well, it's like talking about rewriting the textbooks, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and another way it's fascinating is that this gives us some insights into the nature of time. I mean, that's a that's a question for physics, right? But mm -hmm. dreamers can get uh, this really amazing and I think important insight into the way time works um, through their dreams. I mean, they don't need you know a particle accelerator; they just need a notebook and a, a bottle of melatonin. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty mind blowing. Absolutely. Um, do you think that, uh, that's my other question. When you were first start, uh, started write, 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 writing your book, were people really open with you about, you know, wanting to talk about these dreams or, or like you'd say, you go back to, well, you're going to think I'm a nut. Well, my sample was self-selecting. I mean, I know I, I, I didn't go out to people asking, tell me your dreams. I mean, I just, people just sent me, you know, people who wanted to share <laughs> these things uh, sent them to me. So, you know, I didn't have to confront any kind of reluctance <laughs> like that. Because I'm sure people would, would be hesitant a little bit, like you say, going with the nut thing, you know, but I mean, it, it sounds really fascinating to do that, you know, to, to track your dreams. I've heard of people doing that, but I've never personally done it. So, yeah, you got me going on that. So I'm going to keep a journal now. This is all your fault. You know, yeah. I'm going to keep this journal. Seriously, start tonight. I mean, it's 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 it'll change your life. It really will. So what do you have to say to people that are kind of afraid of it? Yeah, well, the there's nothing to be afraid of. Dreams, okay, and this is a big topic. This is a big subject sure. in my book because people uh, – you know, it's a very, the vast majority of dreams are not like premonitions of death and disaster. I mean, those oh. are the ones, those are the stories that you hear. And those oh. are the dreams that people maybe may notice more because, oh my God, you know, 9-11 and they're like, oh my God, I had a dream about it. The vast majority of precognition, pre precognitive dreams are about, you know, things on the level of sink, sinks backing up or interesting articles or pictures on the internet, things like that. They're not, you know, these massive, you know, loss of life or death of a loved one and things like that. Um, but 
when they do have those dreams that you know people become can when these people start having precognitive dreams they do start to fear you know like oh my god you know what if i have a dream that seems to be about you know the death of, of a loved one or something like that and will you know what what then and do i is are my dreams causing it or am i responsible somehow for a disaster that i've dreamed about so these kinds of doubts are constantly happening what you need to realize is that your dreams are not causing <laughs> these things to happen um they're not at all and uh you are and also dreams that uh are about disaster you know like terrorist attacks say like 9 11 uh -huh. there's there's no way you could prevent them okay based on a dream and this is a misunderstanding that that has been persistent in the literature on precognition and esp for for decades you know, uh -huh. people think oh well, well well let's have a premonition registry and uh -huh. people can write can send their their dreams and we can prevent terrorist attacks that way well that's not quite the way it works because if if the terrorist attack never happens then you're not going to have a dream about it right uh-huh now, that is, there is a there is a kind of a, a gray area in there where like bad things you dream about a bad thing you maybe take some action to uh, avoid it in your own life like not getting on that plane that you dream, you know dream about being dying in a plane crash uh -huh. you don't get on that plane and indeed the plane crashes well it's not like you were changing your timeline you know, like those dreams that I was on a plane that crashed. Well, that's the what? That's the the thoughts that you had, learning about that plane crashing. It's like, oh, I could have been on that plane. You know, mm -hmm. that's what you're dreaming about. You're dreaming about your thoughts about an event, and that thought reflects in time to deflect your behavior in just the right way that you were able to have that thought rather than actually dying in the plane. Mm -hmm. So that's what I call a time loop. My my first book, Time Loops, is on this logic and how this works. Um, there's a bit about that in the new book, too, mm -hmm. but uh, it's very important this 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 logic because if precognition is real, then our own actions are part of the backstory of those of those events that we dream about, um, and that's and that's the reason they have to be symbolic, by the way. <laughs> but it's that's too complicated to get into on a podcast. <laughs> but you know, if people are curious about this. You know, the new book really really goes into this, um, but they shouldn't be afraid. Your dreams are not going to make it more like having being a precognitive dreamer is not going to make it any more likely that bad things are going to happen in your life. I mean, the point mm -hmm. is bad things happen in our lives, you know, and if you're in the habit of precognitive dreaming, yeah, you might get some foreshadowing of those things. And, and you might be in a position to use that dream to, make you know to avert the worst disasters and sort of mm -hmm. have you know have lesser disasters mm -hmm. you know uh and and that's the value that's the survival value of precognition uh right there um so you know i think on uh, the net effect of being precognitive which is again just being intuitive is mm -hmm. you know you're you're probably going to have you know a few less disasters in your life um uh but you know the, the 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 everyone bad things happen in life you know death happens disasters happen and uh so it, engaging with your precognition is not making those things more likely at all i mean if anything less so uh, you know i would say that well that's what i was going to say um you know people get their, their numbers done in astrology or they go to their horoscope every day you know to see you know not everybody does this, but, you know, it's like, okay, I'm not going to do this today because my horoscope says I should do this. Could that work with these with, with these dreams, too? Well, yeah. I mean, like I said, that people have those dreams, right. you know, like a vivid dream. You know, you're, you've got a ticket for the, you know, mm -hmm. plane the next day. You have a really, you know, vivid dream of being in a plane crash. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, I don't know. It, it depends on, <laughs> you know, that's... The, who knows? And and right. nine times out of ten, it's not going to be. It's going to be symbolic of something else. Who knows? But you know, there are those stories in the literature of people, you know, not getting on a plane because of a dream, and then mm -hmm. you know, and there are of course the 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 many studies that have been done that you know show that 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 uh, 
train derailments and plane crashes and stuff like that, that, that they tend to have fewer passengers than they should, you know, statistically speaking, which you know, suggests that, you know, that, that people are, you know, tuning into, you know, to these dangers ahead precognitively. Um, who knows? Absolutely. What do you say to people that want to really get into this? just do what I said. I mean, just, just keep a dream journal and just do it religiously, you know, every, every day. Uh, just, just look, just, just having a dream journal and a pen by your bed will prime the pump. I mean, even if you don't think that you dream or, or you're not, you know, you seldom remember your dreams, just putting that notebook there, it acts like setting an intention and it, you know, you'll, you're going to wake up tomorrow, you know, it was like, Oh, that's a nice dream. And I'll write that down, you know, and could very, you know, very well turn out to be precognitive. You know, I, I, you know, I had a just you know a couple of weeks ago a, 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 a scientist who who I decided to read my book writes to me that oh my god you know the first night I I I, uh, I started reading your book that night I started you know I had a dream wrote it down it turned out to be about the next chapter in your book that I read the next morning you know mm-hmm. you know so like you start having examples of it very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, and, and you'll, you'll be hooked and that will deepen your, your, your practice mm-hmm. and, uh, and people who get hardcore, you know, really start to, you know, practice other methods of getting in touch with precognition like meditation and so on. Sure. I have a question, um, in the chat room. So if someone has a vivid dream of being kidnapped, what does that mean? What could that mean? You know, who, who knows? I mean, if there's, um, I mean, is there, is there, you know, unless you've, unless there's someone who's threatened to kidnap you, uh, there's no way you can change your life to, to avoid that uh, outcome. And so, you know, it could be symbolic. It could be, uh, it could be about someone else being kidnapped. I mean, this is, this is a very common pattern. You put, mm-hmm. we put ourselves in our dreams. Okay. You know, I read, a lot of dreams are about like, I dream often about pictures, art that I see on the internet. Okay. But in the dream, I'll be in the scene. I'll be in this environment, you know, and it'll be happening to me, whatever's happening in that picture. Similarly, we dream often about bad things happening to us, but in fact, but then the next day you'll read a news story about that bad thing happening to somebody, somebody Mm -hmm. else random or, or whatever. Um, But the dream, you know, put you in that position. Part again because dreams are about our thoughts, right? And right. and when we see a, a, a news story, read a news story about something bad happening to someone, we, it's natural for us to put ourselves in that person's shoes and like, sure. oh God, I'm glad that didn't happen to me. Well, it's that what if, you know, or that thank God didn't happen. But that that's what get, gets dramatized in the precognitive dream beforehand. And so you have a dream about that thing happening to me, you know. Or it could be something you're going through in your life too. You know, you right. might be in a job where, where you yeah. feel trapped. Sure. Yes. 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 Wow. How do people get a hold of you? Um, you? Well, uh, my uh, email is in my new book. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the, uh, my blog is called thenightshirt.com. Um and uh so you can you can find me on there i'm on twitter i'm, I'm not on facebook but I'm, I'm on twitter and so you can uh i'm the night it's you know at the night shirt um and so you can you can reach me there you can direct message me there what do you say to somebody that um wakes up in the morning and, and says they don't dream yeah a lot of people are, are like that people who are pretty busy um you know anyone who has to leap out of bed and get to work and deal with the kids and all that, that that's, you know, that's not good for, for, you know, recalling your dreams and people who are not used to introspecting sometimes don't think they dream or don't tend to remember their dreams. I mean, it's, you know, it depends on what you pay attention to in life, you know, and uh, a lot of people are just, they kind of wake up, start the day and they're not super aware of that dream world that they've just come out of. Um, but, but, but if they want to engage with it, um, giving themselves, building in a little time in the morning, uh, to, it really works to hit the snooze button 
before you get out of bed because that that hypnopompic state, um, that kind of light sleep uh, in the morning as you're kind of waking up, slowly waking up, very rich for for dreams and dream imagery that uh, that are the very often precognitive if you can rouse yourself enough to write them down. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, just, you know, even if you have a busy work life or whatever on weekends, you know, let yourself sleep in a little bit or hit the snooze button and, and kind of just lay in bed a little bit, just laying in bed rather than rising right out of bed is, is one of the best ways just to kind of like lay lay in bed, just kind of think back to any dream, you know, just kind of see, seize on any little dream image that you might have and the more you think about it, oh wow, it'll more more scenes will come back. Um, Do you think um, everybody has this ability? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's no reason to think that that some people are 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 have some unique superpower. Now, th- that said, some people routinely notice precognitive dreams. Some people routinely notice certain kinds of precognitive dreams, maybe because of their own preoccupations or whatever. Um, uh, and, and so those are the people who I, you know, I, I call precogs, you know, that was Philip K. Dick's term mm-hmm. for someone who's highly precognitive. Uh, so, you know, yeah, learning, learning to access this and learning to be conscious of it makes you a precog, but it's not that they have some unique ability that the rest of us don't have. And, and mm-hmm. it's like anything else. It's like playing the piano. You know, some people are sort of naturally gifted, you know, others can learn to do it, maybe not ever quite as well. Um, same with, same with this, you know, it's like some people are going to be more gifted than others. Um, but, but, every, but we can all do it and we do do it. And, uh, how long did it take you to do your research for all this? Well, yeah, I've been, I've been studying precognitive dreams now for 10 years. Um, I, uh, it's a long story how I sort of went down the path of studying parapsychology, uh, and uh, I wasn't initially that interested in dreams and or precognition per se. I was initially kind of more interested in remote viewing. But honestly, my first remote viewing experiences all turned out to be, in fact, precognitive experiences. Uh, and, uh, and in fact, there's a sort of debate in the remote viewing world uh, whether remote viewing is really remote viewing remote viewing like seeing things at a distance or whether it's seeing our own future learning experiences or our own future feedback experiences um and all my remote viewing successes turned out to be precognitive and so i started paying attention to the literature on precognition and my own dream i'd fortunately been keeping a dream journal for decades by that point so it was easy from easy transition for me to start attending to my dreams in this new way. And it was, mm-hmm. it was mind blowing. I mean, I really had some amazing hits like right off the bat. Um, one of the, one of the best books on the topic that had been written before my, for, before my recent book uh, is, was written in 1927 by an aeronautical engineer named J.W. Dunn in England. And he noticed uh, that, you know, he'd had many precognitive dreams and he, he had a, he brought sort of an engineer's mind to studying them. And the basic methods of precognitive dream work that I, that I enumerated, you know, uh, those steps of writing your dreams down and looking back mm-hmm. at your dream records afterwards, that's, that was J.W. Dunn's discovery, you know, that like, wow, you can really start to, to do this regularly and notice this regularly when you make those simple steps that nobody thinks to mm-hmm. do. Uh, and his book was like a, it was a, an early example, I would say, of citizen science. And that's what, that's what my, my, my new book really is trying to, to do, is trying to recruit ordinary dreamers to be citizen scientists to help study this, this amazing phenomenon. And it's really easy. You know, it doesn't, doesn't, you don't need any special equipment except for a notebook. Um, and, uh, and you'll, you're going to make some pretty amazing discoveries and you're going to, a, convince yourself that there's something going on here. And that is going to help wear down, you know, the, potentially the skepticism of, mm-hmm. you know, your friends and loved ones, you know, when you, you know, and that, and, and that, I think that grassroots um, 
thing is what I would like to 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 help foment, I guess, because uh, you know people will do little tiny little dinky studies on precognition mm -hmm. and dream pre and dream precognition and then publish it in some para parapsychology journal or whatever, and that's you know it's just not going to have an impact because, you know, no scientist is going to read that. No scientist is going to like change their whole worldview based on, you know, a little article or, or, or a psychology journal. But if you know, eventually uh, a sleep scientist or neuroscientist is going to have a mind blowing precognitive dream and they're not going to be able to deny it. And they're going to mm -hmm. maybe be in a position to get some funding to study it in a, in a big way, you know, uh, and in a way that that might actually change their minds of a few of their peers, and that's that's what I would like to have happen. Well, this is all fascinating stuff. I've learned so much. And like I said, you're good. I'm going to go get a notebook. Okay, I'm going to blame you when I start having these real pre, these real vivid dreams and stuff that that are coming true. Yeah, and I want to hear. I want. I want to hear about it. You know, to, I, I encourage Absolutely. people in my book to send me their examples. Yeah, I, I love to hear that. Yeah, um, I would love to have you on again at some point to discuss other stuff because you know you talk about that that, that whole time looping thing and you know um, this and then the 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 other part of it where you were talking about uh, vi you know visions and all this stuff. So I'd like to have you on again if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. At some point in the future, how do people get your books? Uh, they can get uh, the. I, I don't think time. I think time loops. You have to get online. Uh, Precognitive Dreamer: The Long Self is available in bookstores. Okay. Um, or, you know, or wherever internet mm -hmm. books are sold. <laughs> not, not to name names, but yeah. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And again, I'd like to have you on in the future to talk about this plus other stuff. And we'll see how I did on my dreams. Maybe maybe the audience that are listening, write your dreams down. And when we get Eric back on, you can chime in here and talk sure. to Eric about the, the, the stuff that you found that came true. It'd sure. be kind of fun. Yeah. All right, Eric, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Have a good evening. Take care. All right. That was absolutely fascinating, you guys. And um, you got to love that stuff. Like I said, I'm actually going to write these things down because I, I think it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And I hope you guys do, too. Tomorrow, we are going to have a special guest. And uh, I'm a journalist. And I remember my day. I'm not going to let on to what it was, but I remember my day. Uh, that when when 911 happened and, and what went down, and so I'll describe that a little bit tomorrow in the beginning of the show. But um, I got a, a gentleman on named da Daniel Rothbart, and he is, he's a, he's an editor, or I don't know if he's still an editor, but a former editor with the Wall Street Journal, and he was also a reporter, mostly business finance, and he has written a book called September 12, with the title of September 12th, how how the Wall Street Journal was able to go out and do a report even though they had no newsroom because their newsroom was located across from the Twin Towers and so the little literally you know blew to pieces when the Twin Towers collapsed and he and his people in, in the newsroom were not regular like foot reporters at that point they were financial reporters and they had to go out and be like war correspondents to even get the paper out the next day you know to do stories on all this stuff so he's going to come in and talk to us about that tomorrow. So it should be a really good show, really interesting show tomorrow. Um, I thank you guys for coming. And again, if you want to help me out a little bit, share the show. Five people. If you didn't like the show, share it anyway with five people you can't stand. We're trying to get the word out. Um, I'm looking for more YouTube subscribers. And the only way to do that, because we do not have a direct link into YouTube. I've tried. I've tried several ways. And it's just, it isn't happening. So the best, easiest way to do that is to go to www.californiahauntsradio.com. Click on the video on there. It'll take you in the YouTube page. And you can click on subscribe up there and get me some more subscribers. Because, honestly, I need, uh, I need more than 100 subscribers in order to get a dedicated link to the page. So the more subscribers we have, the better. But I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. And I will see you tomorrow at 6.30. And in case you guys want to buy Mr. Wargo's books, I'm not going to forget tonight. I'm going to go ahead and flash this right now. Bear with me a minute. And there you go. His website is thenightshirt.com. Give that a few seconds. 
and loops and dreamworks uh put loops in his book about dreamworks and those are available at amazon.com so again i want to thank you guys for coming and i will see you tomorrow same time same place and we're going to talk to this gentleman from the wall street journal have a good evening everybody